Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Wednesday, November 1st. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. The wow. gang's all here. Gang's all here. Last time remotely for a while, hopefully. Uh, I'll be headed back <laughs> as soon as we get done recording today. Well, how was everybody's Halloween? Rocking. <laughs> the the uh, people up here in Wisconsin take that shit serious. The I posted a TikTok last night of just one yard, and they must have fifteen thousand dollars worth of de- decorations. It's crazy. Mike, what's your what's your favorite costume you ever dressed up in? Hmm. God, Mr. Belvedere, Mr. Belvedere. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. What was my, I usually just, you know, put on some kind of crazy mask, you know, and just some kind of monster mask. I'm, I've never gone with anything that elaborate. Um, the easy, the easy go-to was, uh, either, either that or, uh, uh, I have so many giants jerseys that, and helmets that, you know, doing a quick Eli Manning was always uh, was always easy. Yeah, that's a good that's one. Cool. What about that's you, cool. Woody? Um, James Bond, white hell yeah, and whatever. But I wore no shirt. The oh, there you go. Dinner jacket was on James Bond shape. after six o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a lot of body body for it back then. I could I can get away with it. Sean Connery always wore a shirt. I know, but I was trying to be different. <laughs> well, I went as uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin back in the mid nineties, right nice. after I shaved my head. That was a good one. I had the whole vest and everything, and the yeah. you know I had the rattlesnake on the back. Yeah, that was a fun Sweet. year. Yeah, good deal. You could pull that well, off for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, gentlemen, let's get ready for some crime time for Wednesday. All right, and we're going to go to Pittsburgh first. And uh, a man in Pittsburgh tried to kill his former neighbor twice before fatally shooting him. That's right. Right. Twice before fatally shooting him. A 21-year-old man reportedly confessed to fatally shooting his former neighbor after attempting but failing to kill him two other times. On Sunday, October 22nd, shortly before 430 The Pittsburgh Police Department responded uh, to a call and found a man in the driver's seat of a car suffering from a gunshot wound to his head and shoulder. Medics transported the victim to the hospital where he was later pronounced deceased. He uh, was identified as 29-year-old Joseph Sees Jr. Police reportedly saw the victim's uh, parked car with its engine running and music still playing. The window was open and there was blood on the front passenger seat. Uh, police also noticed bullet damage on the passenger door. At the scene, investigators discovered a live 9mm bullet and three 9mm casings. They found two jackets, uh, both soaked in blood nearby. 
Officers arrested Joshua Short on October 25th on charges of criminal homicide, burglary, and and uh, murder. Police said he was also charged with theft by unlawfully taking and stealing a car. Short was found in the back of a stolen black Mercedes Benz. He initially seemed to uh, want to flee and run from the officers, but he ended up cooperating with the police. He admitted to killing the victim and told police he used the nine millimeter uh, gun recovered at the scene. Seize, uh, which is the guy he killed, is his former neighbor. On Saturday, October 21st, he tried to break into C's home and shoot and shot at him when he opened the door, but he missed. C sustained a gunshot powder burn to his face, and his sweatshirt uh, also had some damage. Then, on the same day, later on, Short tried to place a ladder against C's home to break in, but fled after C's called 911. Then, on Sunday, October 22nd, Short found a 9mm handgun in the abandoned house where he was living, drove the stolen Honda SUV uh, to go look for the victim, and found an approach seized parked car outside his home, and that's when he shot him in the head. Short told investigators that he and C's had ongoing issues. After shooting C's, <laughs> Short threw away his clothing between two nearby houses, drove around the north side in his SUV, and parked at a brewery. Some of Short's clothing, which included a black mask, uh, black Levi's jeans, and a black Carhartt uh, neck cap, was later found. Short reportedly returned to the scene 10 minutes later after police arrived. He was booked into jail without bail. So this dude tried to kill him three times and finally succeeded. You get shot and get the powder burn in your face and they don't get him arrested. And he comes back with a ladder and And then then police get there and he shows up. That's the, that's the new Pennsylvania three strikes law. So you get three, you get three chances to kill somebody, rob them or do anything before, uh, before they come after you. I don't know if Pennsylvania <laughs> has a death penalty, but if they do, I'm sure this dude's going to get it, right? Yes, crazy, indeed. Crazy AF. Um, but, you know, we've been talking about some squatters in the past, on everything from the island down in Florida to the home in Baton Rouge to whatever. And now i got another one for you, y'all. And evidently being a serial squatter is a real deal. Um, so a serial squatter who was last reportedly seen fraudulently living in a Texas home is officially a wanted woman in the state. The Rowlett Police Department charged Heather Schwab this week with fraudulent securing of document execution of, of over $30,000 and less than 150000 Police said they believe Schwab is likely still in the state and are calling upon members of the public to come forward with any tips to her whereabouts. Suave is a convicted fraudster, you think, who was sentenced in Colorado in 2018 for felony identity theft in connection to serial squatting. But who knew that was a, 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 a job? Right? She was released in 2020 after serving only 16 months behind bars and came back into the public spotlight this year when a rallied homeowner, Jessica Davis, sounded the alarm that a woman uh, using a false identity moved into her house without paying rent. 
Even though I'm happy that there is a warrant for Heather's arrest, I feel like this could have been dealt with earlier if the Dallas County and Rowlett Police did not ignore my calls for help. My proof of fraud, Davis said. Schwab's charges stem from a rental agreement she made with Davis pledging she would pay $3,100 a month in a 12-month contract. Davis and her husband, Colin Davis, purchased their first home in December in Rowlett, roughly 20 miles outside of Dallas. And the home, which has four bedrooms, a pool, and a hot tub, was a dream for the family before Davis had to re- relocate to Florida for about um, for work about six months ago. Having just purchased the property, Davis did not want to sell it, so they decided to rent it out instead. And they posted it on Apartments.com and, and uh, Zillow to find a, uh, you know, a possible tenant, and they wound up in a nightmare scenario with Schwab, who used a false identity to move into the home. Davis says she received an initial message from a hopeful tenant about the property, which came in under the name of Heather Schwab. But the woman told Dallas, I'm sorry, told Davis that she was using her friend's Zillow account and claimed her actual name was Ray's Rubal. Everything appeared to be above board with the application, and Davis allowed the woman and her 17-year-old son, who Davis said has autism, to move into the home early, meaning before her checks were even cleared. Ah, uh, mistake right there. Right, right. So, however, the checks were no good. Bouncing like basketballs. And according to Davis and the homeowners, never received any money from the woman. Davis began her own sleuthing of the woman. And after police reportedly told her it was a civil matter, Davis then investigated the name Heather Schwab and discovered news links to her in 2018 for arrest in Colorado, um, where she was accused of renting and living on properties but never paying the landlords. Davis and her husband hired a lawyer after the discovery and began filing eviction notices to avail. And the local media began investigating the matter last month, which Davis attributed to helping speed along the process of getting the squatter and her son out of the house. Schwab finally moved out late last month, and Davis said leaving the home stinking of urine and cigarette smoke and trash with food and debris. Figure it out. And, uh, oh, God. I mean, I, I understand you want to rent your ship for thirty one hundred dollars, but you should have waited on the check to clear. But I'm not, I'm not victim shaming. I mean, uh, obviously, Schwab is an asshole. But yeah, but it, I think the people that try and handle something like this, the transaction themselves, without a professional involved, right. are the kind of people who are likely to sidestep some typical protocols and let somebody get away with a, yeah, you can move in. I'm sure everything will be yeah. fine. Your check will clear in a couple of days. Yeah. And and now sure you're stuck you're, with them. You're a good person. Just come on, move in, in my shit. So, well, there you have it. Don't run out your place folks until you get the money in the bank. Right. I've got a salty little story here. All right. From California, the San Francisco area, where a couple from Washington State is now suing the Ritz-Carlton Hotel at Half Moon Bay after the woman allegedly woke up in the middle of the night, took a sip from a water bottle, and discovered that it was contaminated with semen. Oh, God. 
According to Fox TV, San Francisco reports, the couple, only identified as Jane and John Doe, arrived at the oceanfront luxurious Half Moon Bay Resort for the weekend so they could spend time with their daughter, who was a student at a nearby school. The couple also wanted to celebrate Jane's birthday, but their qu- their plans were quickly derailed. Now the couple is suing Ritz-Carlton, which is owned by Marriott International, and unnamed uh, additional defendants for damages. The Doe's chose not to identify themselves in the lawsuit for fear they could be harassed, ridiculed, injured, or embarrassed because of the content of the suit. That might have been a good idea on their part. Also, unidentified in the suit are 10 defendants uh, because the company, meaning Rich Carlton, refuses to identify the employees that were working that weekend to law enforcement or to the couple. I, I don't know how they get away with that, but the lawsuit claims that on the uh, on the, that night that uh, uh, the Doe's discovered they were out of bottled water and called down to the front desk to have someone bring up uh, some more to the room. A little while later, a male employee showed up at the room and he had five bottles of water with him. The couple had no reason to believe the bottles were, quote, tampered with or defiled when they were dropped off. So Jane went to sleep, and in the middle of the night, she woke up a little bit parched and reached over on the uh, table and grabbed one of the bottles. After the first sip, she thought, hmm, salty. I'm just kidding. In in the lawsuit, Jane Jane claims she knew something was seriously wrong with the water and immediately contacted hotel security. She claimed in the suit that the taste of the water and texture were, quote, off at first uh, suspecting the water was chemically contaminated before suspecting the water had semen in it. In the lawsuit, the Doe's claim, quote, one of the hotel's employees ejaculated his semen into a Ritz-Carlton labeled water bottle, delivered it to Jane and John Doe's room, and Jane Doe then drank the semen contaminated water before she realized it had been defiled by a criminal deviant and that she had been sexually assaulted. A claim adjuster confirmed with the couple that the water was, quote, defiled with semen, according to the lawsuit. The couple also claims they asked the resort to turn over the bottle, but officials have allegedly refused to do so. The couple said in the lawsuit that the San Mateo County Sheriff's Office investigation is stalled because of the lack of cooperation from the hotel. While seeking an independent investigation from local law enforcement into the DNA samples so they can be cross-checked against sex offender uh, registries to possibly identify the suspect, the, the couple also wants the hotel's hiring practices to be scrutinized because a, quote, criminal deviant was able to sexually assault Jane Doe. Defendants acted wrongfully, maliciously, intentionally, and negligently, the lawsuit reads, suggesting the company is not accepting responsibility for what occurred. The couple's been married for 25 years and claims the incident has caused intimacy issues in their married life. The lawsuit notes that they claim the hotel offered them points when they told the staff about the concerns. Excuse me, man, we're not going to do anything about this, but how about 25,000 Marriott points in exchange for wiping the cum off of your cheek? Uh, A hotel spokesman stated that they do not comment on pending litigation. Okay, we've all worked in service industry jobs of some kind. And, you know, if you gave me a really hard time, I might 
maybe stick my finger in my nose and give you a little special something in your tuna salad or, you know, something like that. Eh, Sorry, I'm capable of that. But (laughs) but these people had to be just horrible in order for somebody to decide, yeah, let's, you know, let's, let's jack it into a bottle. (laughs) I have a, Two things to say. One, I can understand the intimacy issues if, if this is legit because I'm sure her husband doesn't want to kiss her anymore. Um, <laughs> number, number two is, Mike, I want to know how you know that semen tastes salty. Woody, you promised you were never going to bring up the story of our contract negotiations. Oh. I, can't, I can't believe you would do that right here. That's funny. Y'all. That's not no truth to that, by the way. Anyway, it was funny. That's a serious legal violation, though. You know, that uh, 16202 mingling harmful substances. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if it's really 16202. <laughs> right. I want to sound like Woody for a minute. That's right. a 16263. Perfect code for it, I, I think. <laughs> but mingling har- harmful substances is serious, serious when, charge. Yeah, I asked Danny Perkins. But the, yeah. uh, the when they broke into my hotel room and left a ball of pubic hair on my pillow, that um, we we naturally sued the shit out of them, and uh, they they know who has that. Well, this one's a little bit different because they called down and they brought it up, but on my case. They could tell who had access by the key and what time they went in. It turned out that employee was a temporary employee and who mm. no longer worked there. So, well, in, in uh, this case, it sounds like there were 10 people working and they've formed a bond of solidarity and, yeah. uh, and that the, you know, the hotel is sort of stuck where they, they don't even know who yeah. did it. And, but it's, the DNA, obviously a DNA test. Yeah, it's got to be a higher echelon thing. I mean, the Ritz is not is not the Holiday Inn. I say the Ritz in New Orleans. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a, a very exclusive joint, right? Well, and Half Moon Bay is is beautiful. That's one of their. I mean, right. they have many great resorts around the country, but that's a particularly nice one. Um, yeah, it's probably a seven hundred dollar a night plus right. kind of place where, you know, for that, you would expect uh, semen-free water, I think. Yeah. A reasonable, yeah. reasonable expectation at a place like that. That's crazy. Holiday Inn, I mean, I think maybe, you know, you test the water before you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Holiday Inn is probably not bringing you a bottle of water to your room. That's true, right. too. Yeah. That's true, too. All right, guys. We've never had an intervention on the show, but we're going to have one right now. And this applies to both of you guys, but perhaps a bit more to Mr. Overton. Mm, must be alcohol. Well, you know, neither of you guys are 25 anymore, and sometimes you need to take a break away from the alcohol. Oh, Lord. So I want to talk to you about a healthy alternative to alcohol that can be just the right fix after a stressful day. You know, Woody, like a day after 10 crazies from Wisconsin come into town to kill a thousand wild boars, and you idiots end up killing a thousand Shiner Box at the same time. That's going to happen. Well, I know it is. And so I want to tell you about a product called Recess Mood. Mm. Think about it. Even the name sounds relaxing. Recess Mood is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens so you can relax without the alcohol or the hangover. Now, while Jim is looking up the meaning of adaptogens, I'll continue on. Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners get 15% off the Recess Mood Sampler Pack 
at takearecess.com slash R-L-R-C. That's takearecess.com slash R-L-R-C. You can enjoy Recess Mood after a busy day or whatever you need to relax and unwind. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. Mm. Those sound yummy. Yeah. It's only got 20 calories, doesn't have any sugar in it. So I don't know if you've ever had Guilt Woody. But if you do, recess mood could help you get rid of it. Yeah, but I've had the pain of not having a recess. Okay, well, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash R-L-R-C and get 15% off a recess mood sampler pack. It's your go-to alcohol replacement. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, we're going to, you know, I saw this, I came across this Facebook post uh, actually yesterday and was unaware uh, that really these type of things existed, but I thought it was good to uh, bring this to everybody's attention. So I'm going to read the Facebook post. This comes from the St. Mary Parish Sheriff's Office, and they're talking about calming rooms. It says on Monday, October 30th, 2023, St. Mary Parish opened the second calming room in Louisiana. The room is a result of the efforts of Amanda Landry, which is executive director of CASA of the 16th Judicial District, uh, who is working on a new early invention grant for the St. Mary Parish Sheriff's Office. The grant is designed to help intervene in the lives of at-risk adolescents in order to get them back on track. Uh, and then Amanda Landry explained the need for the calming room. She said a courthouse can sometimes be overwhelming and chaotic. Our sensory room was created with the intention of providing a safe space for kids to just be kids. The hope is that the children and families will serve, we serve will have a happy place to play, visit, or just relax while they wait for their time in front of the judge. Uh, both Landry and Lieutenant West, uh, uh, use the, the there's a principle called truth based relationship intervention. They both follow that. Uh, they're both practitioners of that and follow that. Um, so essentially, what this room was created for was, I would imagine, you know, if it, if it's adolescent rape or even just you're having to testify against a relative, uh, maybe your mom and dad are going through a divorce. I don't know. Right. But it, it's a it's a room specifically designed to essentially uh, uh, make this a safe environment for these kids. And they had a few pictures and it was uh, we'll post some on the on the Facebook page. But it, it looks almost like a little library and it's got like yeah. a little tent in there where they can play and and yeah. all of those sorts of things. So it's really, really it, cool that got thing. me curious. Okay. Yeah, it it is, and and uh, and I'm sure Woody is much more familiar with this than I was, but it got me curious, and and I'm like, man, they you know they need this in Livingston Parish. As soon as I was thinking that, a, a lady had commented underneath it and said that, so I did some digging, and actually, Livingston Parish Public Schools has uh, there's a 
a physical education teacher named Lisa Dugas there that was recently awarded a grant from Cox Communication to create a sensory room. Now, this was back in 2019, this post, but uh, for an elementary school there. And that room was to provide students and teachers a place where they can take a brain break. Um, so this is, you know, with a, and, and I'm tying this all back to this. Um, there's been a lot of shootings lately. A lot of, uh, and of course, the one that, that just occurred was not a, a school shooting per se. But a lot of that derives back to mental health. And, and one thing that I really liked about seeing this is that uh, this is a, a direct result of being concerned about uh, uh, our adolescents' mental health and trying to make a courtroom environment more comfortable or a school environment more comfortable for maybe kids that need that. So Woody, yeah, were you familiar with rooms like that? No, I wasn't, and I know we never had any, and I had all these babies that had to come in and testify in these trials, unfortunately, and they would have a victim's advocate um, assigned to them, and they would keep them, like, in the judge's chamber or whatever. So, I mean, you know, the kids are freaked out anyway. So I think this is a genius sure. idea. I'm a huge supporter of CASA, and I was going to be one of their uh, guest waiters at the event last year, but, I would, you know, where the – celebrity people yeah, the, and, and, the yep. and you get the tips, but I had to go out of town um, at the last minute, but they, they doing great things. I think that's an excellent deal. Uh, and just these kids have been through enough, even if it's a divorce case, like you said, but the ones I dealt with, it was, yeah, it was just bad. Yeah. It could be, they witnessed a murder and they're, they're having yeah. to testify against right. a suspect. I don't know, right. but, but most, most times it was, they were raped by family members or whatever. And they had to get up there and testify about it. Uh, um, well, I, I don't know if they, they may have one here in Livingston parish at their courthouse. I don't know. It said only two in the state, but, uh, yeah. if they don't, it'd be something to look into for sure. Right. Right. Well, I know that the Casa like, yeah, well, the OCS headquarters is, is right down the street from it. So maybe they keep them over there now, the new courthouse. I, I don't know, but very interesting. I, I didn't, I didn't know about that. Pretty cool. How do they, how do they determine who's eligible and, and not eligible for this? Cause uh, I certainly see it as something that would be extremely helpful for um, some uh, and most kids that have to you know, do something very difficult and going in front of a court. But what about, what about, uh, you know, some juveniles who have, you know, demonstrated some uh, you know, dangerous behavior, uh, violent behavior, stuff like that? They, they don't they don't offer the same thing to them or do they? No, I'm sure they would take them out and remove them from the situation. Right. Uh, um, are you talking about like child criminals? They have to go to court. Should they get they come in and, and handcuffs and shackles? Okay. Yeah, I would I would imagine that, and on the other end, I would imagine child advocacy, Casa Child Advocacy right. Services uh, right. would make that determination on. But if it's if it's a child that was a troublemaker that committed a crime, but, I wouldn't think they would have. Uh, like there's I, a, I, used to, I used to be a supervisor at juvenile detention center, and and it's not a hug a thug program. This it's a, uh, you know, rapists and murderers and armed robbers and stuff like that. They're just underage to be an adult. But let me tell you this, the, um, this next story is a little bit disturbing. So months after his arrest for 
attempting to murder his ex-girlfriend's father over the summer, police say a North Carolina man bonded out of jail and killed her mother. Right? Oh, my God. Michael Stephen Ricker, 36, faces a first-degree murder charge and the death of 63-year-old Lessa Armstrong Rose. Ricker was free at the time while facing charges for shooting Armstrong Rose's husband in June, according to the uh, sheriff's office. Rose's daughter and Ricker's one-time girlfriend, Amber Rose, said, I didn't know of him being like this. The first couple of years, it was great. We got along great. He got along with my family great. My family treated him as one of the family members. He told us we treated him better than his own family did. But at some point, things changed, and Amber Rose accused Ricker of beating her back in June. After her father, Teddy Rose, got wind of it, she said he called Ricker and the two fought. Well, that's a daddy thing to do, right? Uh, Rose said her former boyfriend even bragged about the attack. At that point, she said Ricker drove to her father's house in Cheryl's Ford in Catawba County, and Ricker shot Teddy, who survived. Ricker was arrested two days later and charged with attempted murder, shooting in an occupied dwelling, and criminal possession of a firearm by a felon. Ricker was initially denied bond on the attempted murder charge, but ultimately he was released 12 days later on an $80,000 bond. And uh, although she began her campaign to try to leave Ricker well before the June attack, she said she never filed charges against him. That's typical in DV situations. But Rose said Ricker came to the house she was shared with her mom and her 17-year-old daughter on October 21st. He ran into me, we got into an argument, and he hit me in the back of the head with brass knuckles. Holy fuck. I was able to get away, and the police couldn't find him. They told me the best thing I could do would not to be at home, because Ricker was obviously after her. So I got my stuff and left. Her father packed up his daughter and moved her to his house. While Rose and her daughter hid out at her father's place, Ricker returned to the home and killed Lessa Armstrong Rose. Armstrong Rose's body was recovered on the bathroom floor of her home on Saturday, October 21st. In the Lincoln County Emergency Services, who initially received reports of a cardiac arrest, contacted police after finding that the woman had wounds not consistent with a natural death. The next day, police apprehended Ricker in a shed on the property, and somehow he had become trapped inside the structure in the backyard after killing her mother. Although Armstrong Rose's cause of death has not yet been determined, determined, Rose said that pronounced injuries could be clearly seen on her mother's head. And Rose is angry and wants accountability for those that deemed it proper to release Ricker on bond. The Lincoln County DA's office would not disclose the judge who lowered Ricker's bail, and a representative from the office said that the Lincoln County DA was not involved in the setting of the bond. This, this time, Ricker is being held at Lincoln County Jail without bond. Um, you know, and they, they buried Rose's mother. Uh, Rose buried her mother on Friday in a GoFundMe after we started to help her family. Let me tell you about this. We had a case, and this is no shit. A guy was in for DV on his wife, domestic violence um, on his wife. And the judge, I'm not going to say who, and then this is real shit I need to cover on the original one day. The um, judge lets him out on, on a low bond, 
and with a no, no contact order. Anytime you get out on, on something like that, you got a no contact order anyway. And he went to his house and killed his wife and two kids. And that judge mm-hmm. told me, she said, I will never let another motherfucker bond out on domestic violence as long as I'm a judge. She is a little crocado, judge was. Well, uh, so you said the DA denied having any involvement with that decision, right? So DAs, DAs don't set bonds, judge, judges do. DA wouldn't even have the case yet until, um, until that day that the bond got set. Right. So similar to your experience, there's a judge sitting there. Where's, that's North Carolina, is that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, who's? It happens. And that I tell people all the time: you can get a restraining order. That that piece of paper is not going to stop a bullet. Yeah. And, and we see like, yeah, the can can request that there be no bond, but um, that's all they can do. They can't. Yeah. And, and if it's not a like a murder case or or everybody yeah. has a right to a bond or a bond hearing, that's that's part of your you know your rights. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to set one uh, if they can prove you a continued threat to the public or society. Then they can hold you no bond. Wonderful. Well, um, let's go to the state of Mississippi. To the capital city of Jackson, where I don't think you guys there tomorrow. uh, Yeah, yeah, drive fast, don't stop. Yeah, right. (laughs) You're not going to believe this one. Okay, so the mayor of Jackson has said that a miscommunication between several government offices led to a six month delay and a family finding out that their missing son had died. Six months. Dexter Wade, age 37, was allegedly struck by a Jackson Police Department vehicle driven by an off-duty officer on back on March 5th while walking near the I-55 and McDowell Road. On March 14th, his mother reported him missing, but she allegedly did not find out until late August that he had been killed. On Thursday, Jackson Mayor... I'll do my best here. Chakwi Antar Lamumba addressed Wade's death in his annual State of the City speech. Quote, there was a lack of communication with the missing persons division, the coroner's office, and accident investigation. And because of that, Mr. Wade, they were unable to find his family within an expeditious period of time, he said during his speech. There was a lack of communication with the missing person division, the coroner's office, the investigators. And because of that, they weren't able to find his family within an expeditious period of time. Now, six months would definitely not be an expeditious period of time. It is tragic to lose your child. It's tragic to suffer consequences of having to bury your child before you pass. But to add insult to that trauma, it is even more difficult to not have the ability to have a proper burial for your child. Lumumba uh, also said during the speech, and for that, we regret a circumstance that Mr. Wade's family has had to deal with. According to the local NBC affiliate, an investigating coroner was unable to identify Wade at the scene of the accident. The same investigating coroner passed on these contact details to police shortly afterward. Lumumba said on Thursday that the number provided was not accurate or not a good number to be used, and that that had led police to being unable to make contact with Wade's family. 
So they're saying the number they got from the prescription was not working or unable to be used. I don't know what makes it unable to be used other than that. Uh, That same NBC station was also told that the coroner had been told by police that there was no update on whether the family had been located and notified of Wade's death, which led him to go to Hines County Board of Supervisors uh, seeking permission to bury Wade. After the coroner continued to be told by police that there was no update, Wade was then buried in July in a pauper's field at the Hines County Penal Farm. So they went ahead and buried this guy's body. On August 24th, his mother was finally contacted and informed of her son's death. She was later told where he was buried. It was also reported that she located her son under grave marker number 672 and paid $250 to claim the body. However, Lumumba also noted in his Thursday speech that at no point have we identified or did any investigation reveal that there was any police misconduct in this process and that there was any malicious intent. Hmm. Well, um, I don't know. (laughs) You know, you go, uh, it's a off-duty cop that runs him over and then you, you fumble between departments on identifying the uh, the person and don't get to the mother until he's long uh, ago buried and uh, six months after the thing yeah. happened. Uh, that smells pretty, pretty, pretty sure there'll be some new policy and procedures written because of this incident. Um, it's just stupid. Yeah. And horrible. Is it just stupid and horrible or do you think there's potential no, I, for, I think there's potential cover. I always call cover your ass. Uh, oh shit. You know, it was, I don't think it's department wide or, 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 you know, statewide or whatever. It's just maybe somebody's trying to take care of their homeboy or uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it sure, it sure sounds fishy. So hopefully they're going to get investigators involved and get to the bottom of it. Right. No doubt. Uh, we talked about a story. This was back in July, and uh, hopefully the listeners out there remember us talking about a man found naked in a barrel in Malibu, yeah. California, yeah. on the beach. We do. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Well, we have an update. Uh, officials have arrested two suspects in connection with the death of that man whose body was found in a large barrel at Malibu Beach. Um, on Monday, just to catch people up the main may not be familiar on monday july 31st homicide detectives responded to uh to the beach in malibu in reference to a death investigation a lifeguard noticed and retrieved a 55 gallon plastic barrel and found the victim uh J- javanta murphy inside while investigators determined Murphy had not been in the barrel for long before the discovery, the sheriff's office then identified 37-year-old Joshua Lee Simmons and 41-year-old Dennis Vance as the suspects and said they were known acquaintances of the victim. Um, now, they don't have a motive yet. Um, and it'd be kind of hard to <laughs> determine why someone do that, to be honest. But Murphy's brother was one of five people arrested in connection with a rapper by the name of pop smokes 
death in 2020. Pop smoke. Pop smoke. Yeah. Uh, Murphy's brother was later cleared of attempted murder charges in that crime. Authorities were investigating whether Murphy's killing was a form of retaliation for the killing of Pop Smoke. So now they're thinking this was a related directly to that. Um, Simmons was charged with murder, personal use of a firearm and criminal threats. He was also charged with attempted robbery uh, and get this uh, two counts of criminal threats with a personal use of bear spray in connection with a robbery in El Monte last month, El Monte, California. So he actually robbed, yeah, robbed, attempted a robbery uh, by spraying people with bear spray. Yeah, uh, the, the, yeah, that's even that's probably even more powerful than P plus B. Yeah. You know, you got to be pretty badass and get a bear, right? The, the El Monte police department released Simmons photos stating he was uh, that on Saturday, September 2nd, he attempted a smash and grab robbery at a jewelry store. He used bear spray in that incident and he actually used it on the employees. However, workers were able to stop the suspect's effort. Um, Vance faces one count of accessory after the fact. So they think they got their guys and they think this was related to pop smokes murder in 2020 uh, uh, apparently a famous rapper from the no pop, pop smoke was a very big deal so both of my uh, kids were big pop smoke fans so okay yeah. never i'm not sure. familiar with pop smoke i'm not either pretty cool name though pop smoke yeah right pop he, smoke he, pop smoke be dead right the, uh, pop smoke pop be dead smoke and got smoked yeah and, and they're thinking yeah. that this dude in the barrel had something to do with it and this was retaliation for that no so, he got smoked your I remember, you know, um, Mike was making a comment about the area that that barrel was found. And then we were like, mm, pretty sure some shit's going to come out about this. So hopefully yeah. you, they got them right. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, let's go to we Nashville. We keep people updated around here. That's right. We, That's what we, we do. We don't just talk about it for one day. That's right. So let's go to Nashville. And a seven-year-old girl saved her younger sister after the grandfather's truck she was in was carjacked on the way home from a, a daycare center on Wednesday. In court to Nashville police, a convicted felon named uh, Elijah Malik McDowell had just evaded police in a shots-fired chase after he carjacked a black Dodge Charger. McDowell, 27, abandoned the Charger and gun after a Spike strip deflated the car's tires and caused him to crash on the interstate. And that piece of the interstate runs parallel to a residential area, and McDowell ran into the neighborhood where he then tried to carjack grandfather uh, Louis Mina's truck. Mina had just picked up his granddaughter, Stephanie, three, and Amy, seven, from a daycare. Mina said, we started fighting uh, and told this TV station. After McDowell, who was wearing a ski mask, opened the door to the driver's side of the truck and tried to pull Mina out of the vehicle. He grabbed me from a T-shirt and threw me to the ground. <clears throat> Sorry, Jim. Boom, Jim. 
Mina lost consciousness as a result, and McDowell took off in the truck with Stephanie and Amy still in the back seat. He said, what made me conscious again was when one of my little kids cried. Um, that was my biggest worry, not getting my truck stolen, but my girls still being in it. However, it turned out that cry that Mina heard came from Stephanie, who was nearby, as she and her sister had managed to get out of the truck before McDowell fled the scene. I was fighting with this guy, Mina said, before he recounted Amy's brave actions. She jumped from the truck. She pulled her sister out of the truck so they could escape and be safe. And he said, these materialistic things come and go, but my girls don't. But Nashville PD um, said that detectives from the Specialized Investigation Neighborhood Unit, Safety Unit, were already in pursuit of McDowell and had tracked down the stolen truck uh, to Saddler Avenue. There, the suspect ditched the vehicle and ran into the woods onto the railroad tracks where a police canine team apprehended him. And McDowell was treated at a hospital for dog bites to his foot and was later charged on Thursday morning with all a whole bunch of shit, y'all. Two counts of carjacking, two counts of felony evading arrest, unlawful gun possession by convicted felon, gun use during the commission of a violent felony, possessing a Glock switch that makes a gun fully automatic, ag assault for driving mm -hmm. at the two children, reckless driving or resistant arrest, and here's the kicker that's probably going to get him life driving on a revoked license but anyway he's locked up with a high bond and congrats to that little girl right what a brave yeah. stephanie yeah. was her name seven her years name? old yeah seven years old wow so and i had a case like that before where the guy uh carjacked a vehicle from a gas station and didn't realize there were two little kids in the back and i think they're like two and one both strapped into uh car seat and he, once he realized that he literally pulled over on the side of highway 16 right by a busy intersection and uh put the car seats out and on the side of the street and thank god people you know, called it in and we were able to get him in and ultimately got him later on wow well this little girl might have saved her and her sister's lives i mean who knows no doubt I mean, about it unbelievably brave no doubt Okay, well, let's go back to D.C. where we are going to report again on a story we first shared with you back seven weeks ago when this guy first escaped. Christopher Patrick Haynes had complained about an ankle injury and was transported to the hospital where police say he assaulted an officer and fled. You guys might remember this. Uh, the murder suspect who escaped police custody last month has finally been recaptured in Washington, D.C. Uh, Haynes, 30 years old, was taken into custody by the U.S. Marshals Capital Area Regional Fugitive Task Force. That's a big acronym, U-S-M-C-A-R-F-T-F, for those keeping score at home. At approximately 10.30 a.m. local time uh, off of Iverson Street in Oxon Hill, the U.S. Marshals said. Washington, D.C.'s Metro Police said that Haynes was captured with the help of its MPD Falcon 1 helicopter. Police said after his capture, he was taken to the homicide branch where he will be charged with the escape in addition to the August 2023 murder of Brent Hayward, which was what he was originally charged with. Police said in the statement that Haynes was arrested in Manassas, Virginia on September 6th in connection to the murder of Hayward on August 12th in accordance with a D.C. Uh, Superior Court arrest warrant. He was later transported to George Washington Hospital after he complained of ankle pain from an existing 
a pre-existing injury, excuse me. Um, all of this happened while he was being processed. While he was at the hospital, an officer tried to change his handcuffs to cuff one of his hands to a gurney when Haynes physically assaulted the officer and fled the hospital with one handcuff still attached to his wrist. Police said two officers who had been with Haynes at the time tried to chase him but were unable to catch him. Secret Service spokesperson Anthony Guglielmi said in a Twitter post that they placed quote, temporary precautionary closures, as well as support units in the area around the White House, uh, because this place was located less than a mile uh, away, the hospital where uh, uh, where Haynes escaped. George Washington University also said it canceled all in-person classes, events, and other activities as a precaution. During a press conference on Thursday about Haynes uh, recapture, Commander Don Snyder with the Capital Area Regional Fugitive Task Force said that the reason why it took them some time to find him was because, quote, we basically had to reestablish the investigation from the start. He added that Haynes had also been, quote, taking evasive actions to avoid capture. I would believe that most people who escape would be taking evasive actions to avoid capture. This isn't the first time Haynes has been accused of assaulting officers. Back in September of 2020, he allegedly tried to strike three Prince William County police officers with his vehicle and pleaded guilty to three counts of attempted malicious wounding on that occasion. The good news okay. is they finally have this guy back in custody after. Hey, not, not everybody tries to evade capture. Remember, we had those yahoos that broke out and went to the waffle house you, you don't think they were trying to evade capture at the at the waffle house yeah the, the uh i don't know they were just they a little got, bit hungry this is isn't this the same story where the um the guards were asleep like they were giving this guy the mri they took the cuffs off or whatever it, no i think this is the one where they forgot to put the solid cuffs back on him that they put so he could have the ankle looked at they put on the plastic cuffs and yeah, yeah, the, that's what I'm talking about. They, they were giving him an MRI and they didn't put it back on. Yeah, I think that and was. I a, think the guards were asleep, but maybe. I maybe think I'm that wrong. was a Philly one. That sounds like something that can only happen in Pennsylvania. Is, <laughs> uh, is my guess on that one. Well, it's mile high crime time, y'all. Mile wow. high crime. You know, our next episode, we'll have our sound effects back. And that's, that's right. What people miss back the most, in, I think. Back in the fact. <laughs> they miss they Tiffany's voice. They don't, they don't miss anything about us. They miss the sound <laughs> effects. That's, that's right. I'm sure that is the case. We'll have to do some research on that. <laughs> well, uh, and, you know, the, the Border Patrol gets a lot of uh, negative publicity sometimes, but I want to shout them out for some, some good pu publicity on this one. Uh, two suspects in a Maryland rape case were arrested at Washington Dulles International Airport by U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers as they were trying to flee on Thursday of last week. Oscar Armando Hernandez of El Salvador was arrested on a Montgomery County warrant for rape and sexual abuse of a minor. The Border Patrol's National Targeting Center notified Dulles officers of Hernandez, Hernandez's departing flight to El Salvador, and he was apprehended at the departure gate. Hernandez is illegally present in the U.S. after being ordered to be removed by immigration in 2006. Officers later identified Carlos Molina, 53, of El Salvador as a suspect in a rape case, a uh, separate rape case, while vetting departing international flights. Uh, 
Nine hours later, officers arrested Molina on Prince George's County warrant for rape as he tried to board a flight to El Salvador. So both men were turned over to airport police, and I'm sure they're sitting right where they should be right now in jail. Uh, but, you this know, an inch away guys. from them getting away, I guess, right. and the Border Patrol made it happen. Right. And uh, I know they have a way that they can track people and stuff like that. So, But shout out for them for doing it and getting the punk-ass pedophile. And then the amazing thing was that, you know, you're looking for information on one, and then you notice there's another guy you're looking for. Right. And so, you know, it was kind of like a uh, just great circumstances there where they caught them both. Well, when you talk about an impossible, thankless job over the last few years in this country, those Border Patrol agents. Yep. 100%. For real, right? Well... I almost became one of War Patrol bus, a story for another day. All right, so, y'all, this is a little bit different, um, and, but it, I looked it up, and it falls under kinky crimes in my mind. So it says, <laughs> what was your source first, for looking it up to find the, out if it the, fit under uh, kinky crimes? Researching kinky crimes. But <laughs> the, um, the first report that a man had slashed at the buttocks of a woman at a Virginia shopping center came in in February 2011. By August, nine women had reported that a man had slashed at their butts with what they thought was a razor or a box cutter. And each time there was some sort of distraction, like a clothes rack being knocked over. Um, then the man would slash the women and simply walk away. None, luckily, none of the women were seriously hurt, but it was becoming a real problem. So the Fairfax County Police formed a task force to get to the bottom of it. Using images from surveillance cameras, they were able to identify Johnny D. Gillian Pimentel as a slasher in September, but he had disappeared from the area. He was later spotted in his home country of Peru and arrested. Then in December of 2012, he was handed over Interpol, Interpol and brought back to the U.S. to stand trial, and he pled guilty to malicious wounding in so a whole bunch of other charges, but that's kind of weird, right? It, uh, slashing asses, huh? The slashing asses for kinky crimes. The, the I mean, I gotta go research that one some more, but I, th- I still think it falls under kinky crimes. Why would I think? It, I think it would just because it sounds yeah. like some sort of fetish thing. He was right. doing that's this, and, saying, and this is twelve cases. That's what I was thinking. It's got to be a fetish. So I'm gonna I'm look at my FBI database. I don't remember hearing that one, but I'm pretty sure. If it wasn't in there, it's probably in there now. Yeah. So, but if you wow. have a if you have a big ass fetish, why would you go around slashing ass? Maybe he's mad at ass. He's he did have a <laughs> he did have a great name though. I, I'm I'm sure that Peruvian headline that day of the ass slasher finally hey, being you apprehended. Know, you wouldn't think that the they would they would extricate or extradite somebody from Peru for slashing ass, but. I guess he was, you know, he got 11 or 12 of them. And he slash enough ass. Slash enough ass. Get extradited. He tried to give you that extra, <laughs> extra split in the ass. But, That's but he, he wasn't, he wasn't slashing any South American ass. He was only, he strictly well, slashed ass. Oh, I'm North, sure he slashed, I'm sure he slashed ass in South America too. Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> well, a lot of ass America, got, right. done got slashed that way. Uh, oh anyway, my God. There's your kinky crimes for Wednesday. The Very ass good. slasher. Okay. Good one. That is a good one. Let me tell you the story 
about well banjos, no, ban- no, no banjos but uh, uh, uh ding, pre- ding, pre- ding. pretend you just got some banjos we're going to tell you the story of cassia shelton just 20 years old and she was sure that she had done nothing wrong and couldn't understand why muncie indiana police wanted to arrest her after all she had had the job opportunity of her lifetime and surely everyone would understand RDI Motors didn't understand, and that's why they called the police to report the theft of a Kia Optima. A dealership employee claimed that they were preparing to arrange for Cassia to test drive the car, but were distracted as the dealership kept getting phone calls, though no one seemed to be on the other end of the line. The employee told uh, Shelton to wait while they went to answer yet another phone call. So they had a series of these prank calls while they were trying to process this test drive with her. That's when Cassia allegedly drove off the lot in the Kia. Cameras showed the vehicle easily traced to Shelton because she'd filled out a form on the dealership's uh, website. Uh, So the cameras caught her traveling south toward Indianapolis and later on returning back to Muncie. When officers showed up at Shelton's house, She admitted to, quote, borrowing the car and driving some 60 miles to Indianapolis for an interview. Only the best of the best get a chance to work at Silk, which is also known as Silk, the show club. Right. Mm. The landing strip. This opportunity as an exotic dancer was a huge opportunity for Cassia, and she had no other way to get to Indianapolis. She thought it would be no big deal because she returned the vehicle to the dealership afterward. In fact, video showed that Shelton actually left the vehicle with the keys inside in a parking lot right next door to RDI Motors dealership, where it was promptly stolen. So RDI Motors was ultimately able to recover the vehicle which was found in Anderson, Indiana, about 20 miles away from Muncie. Shelton was arrested on felony charges of auto theft and identity deception and faces up to two and a half years in prison if she's convicted. Police have not said who they believe was placing the calls to the dealership to distract them so Shelton could take the vehicle. Shelton is trying to arrange a table dance credit at Silk in exchange for RDI dropping the charges. It's unknown whether that particular financial arrangement is going to be consummated. You guys think about that. I mean, you know, this was the opportunity of her life. She had no other way to get to Indianapolis, and she was just borrowing the car, man. Right. You know, right. I mean, this well, maybe, is this is silk we're talking about, not some second rate. Maybe maybe the, maybe the car company can hold their Christmas party there, and, and all will be forgiven. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, I took it upon myself go. to do a little checking into Silk, and I'm uh, sure you did. Uh, well, it. I mean, to be a responsible journalist is to look at all sides of the story, Woody, as you know. And mm-hmm. so, okay. my investigation into Silk would indicate that this might not be the job opportunity of the century, as. Uh, it was uh, on the Ago scale of exotic clubs, zero to ten. I would give Silk about a three. Yeah, hey, then these shitty strip clubs too. 
right? <laughs> you <get> shitty <laughs> bar rooms, you got ritzy <laughs> bar rooms. Some people feel more at home in a shitty strip club. Well, maybe that's why she stole or borrowed the Kia. If it, the club was a 10, maybe she would have gone to a BMW. Yeah, a Porsche or something. Or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's funny. Good one. Dumb. She deserves Dumb. some banjos. Banjos. Ding, ding, ding. Ding. I don't know if that's banjos of the start of a round, but. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Well, that's our show for today. Yeah, we love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. We're going to be back in the studio on Thursday, barring any unforeseen complications. And we appreciate y'all and loving each and every one of you. Please continue to like and share and all that good podcaster stuff. That's hey, right. I just want to give a, uh, a quick shout out to my lifelong friend, AJ Benza, who I have done a podcast with now for almost 10 years called fame is a bitch. AJ is in the hospital back in California in a pretty mm. serious, with a pretty serious condition. And so, uh, love you brother. And I know you'll come prayers to for him. prayers for him. Right. And he slapped stuttering John in the nineties on the Howard Stern show. He did favorite he, moment. He did slap stuttering John. I remember that. Yeah. So I hope he feels better. soon. Yeah. I hope get well, bro. That's right. So, All right, until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. For Real Life, Real Crime Daily, peace. Peace. Aglets. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.